Hi, and welcome to another episode of Straight Out of Camera, proudly sponsored by Fuji Films of Africa. Joining me live in studio today is managing editor of techsmart.co.za, Mike Kuber. Mike, how are you doing, sir? All good, Esli. How do are I, you? Do I sound like the Sal C voice? <laughs> yeah. Um, Mike, I just want to chat to you today. We're speaking to a very inspirational photographer from Cape Town. But how important is it today to actually create opportunities for yourself, not just, you know, go and create a social media platform sort of um, on different... Well, no, let's try that again. Okay. That's going well. Yeah, I know. But then I started thinking about it and then it didn't go natural. So, Mike, today I want to chat to you about, um, you know, the photographer we are featuring today where um, things don't just get to you. You've got to go to it. And, you know, the perception of just creating your brand on social media channels these days are probably not just the only thing you've got to do. You've got to really hustle and get your name out there. What do you think about that? Well, I think with such a large number of photographers doing work, yes, for sure, I think you have to kind of like get your con contacts up and running, uh, try and get jobs wherever you can, and perhaps also not always being picky about what you're shooting, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and also, you know, just try trying the whole time. I mean, we spoke about, um, you know, my growing up and how I loved cricket, and I was bowling hours and hours a day just to get it perfected. And the same way, I think we need to put our energy into photography and, and sort of try and error until you get it to the space where you need to be. Well, I think for a lot of photographers, they love photography first and foremost. You know, it's not a position like, for example, I don't want to say all accountants don't like their job, but, you know, it, it's not something that's like, oh, you know, I don't feel passionate about it. Most photographers do. Um, perhaps not after shooting X amount of uh, corporate events, but, you know, for the most part, we love photography. But you also get a situation where you think you are great in what you do and you are wanting to be a photographer and then it's a pain to actually just pick up a camera every now and then. Well, I think for a number of people, they have realized this. It, it becomes boring. It becomes monotonous. Also, the thing is, we've spoken to other photographers before who told us you do have to have passion projects. You mm. have to have those things that you do on the side, perhaps uh, you know, planning for an exhibition or, or doing a, a certain amount of um, you know, special work just for yourself. Yeah, and, and lighting in general. I mean, uh, we've had several photographers that specialize in strobist sort of photography, but the, the message that always came out is that you need to first understand natural light before even trying to attempt strobist lighting. And with regards to, to sort of shooting natural and, and strobist type of lighting setups, um, you know, we've had a, quite a few photographers in here that said you need to first shoot natural light, understand shadows and highlights before even trying to attempt strobus photography. Well, I think strobus is definitely next level. You know, I, I think there's there's two things you can lift to do to lift your game in photography. Number one is learn Lightroom and Photoshop. Learn how to edit those photos. Those photos, uh, you know, look at any picture online and the thing is it's going to be edited mm. for sure. And then secondly is learn how to shoot with uh, off-camera flash and, and strobes or strobes. Lindsay Apollos is a self-taught photographer living and working in Cape Town. 
he had the guts to quit his corporate job at an investment firm to take on photography full-time, a decision he has not regretted since. Lindsay has documented life in the colored community, done fashion shoots, and captured his travels in places such as Japan. Lindsay, welcome to the Straight Out of Camera podcast. Thank you. Uh, I wanted to ask you, you have a quite interesting story to tell in regards to how you started off in photography, uh, shooting horses at a race course, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, this was, it was many years ago. Um, I, um, I was in high school and I needed a job. And my dad was um, working on the, on the race course and he said, well, just come in and, um, and test with us. And so what we do is we'd, we'd get a, and um, th- those were film cameras at the time. And I actually didn't, um, I didn't know anything about aperture or shutter speed or any, anything. So the manager kind of, you would set the camera up for you. He'd say, here's the camera, go and stand and take photos of the horses while they, so, so while they're running. And it'd be, it would be published in a, in a, a publication called Computer Form every mm. week. Um, but I mean, like I had no idea about kind of, you know, the technicalities of the camera, but what it did was it gave, put a camera in my hand and I kind of, I like the feeling of it and I like kind of what it, you know, when I put it into my, when I put it in my face and what I saw was a lot more interesting than kind of without it, if it makes sense. Um, and so that's kind of where, where it's, I guess it started for me, just like with my first camera. There's an interview you did with uh, Between 10 and 5, the, the website, and uh, there's a yes. quote in there that says, the world just made more sense when I picked up a camera. And is that in referring yeah. to what happened in your corporate job or just life in general? Yeah, so um, and to talk about that, I, can't, I think I need to go back to my childhood. Um, and um, when I was young, I watched a lot of, a lot of TV. <laughs> um, my mother allowed me to watch as much TV as I wanted, yeah, which is bad, I guess, and, but good at the same time. Because I, I, saw, I saw the world in that little box, um, and it was beautiful to me. And so I think when I went out, I saw, like, I wanted to see the world like, like that all the time. And that's, and that's why the world, and I, and I, and I did, I think, I guess. And, um, that then kind of was, a, a something that led me to kind of, you know, see the world that I did and help me in my, in my photography. I think that's an incredible story because I know that, um, Annie Libovich, um, her f- family was traveling a lot from, you know, from um, town to base town. To base. Yeah, yeah. And, and she saw the world through a car window. Oh. And that's how she started composing images. I mean, from, from seeing it through a car window. Yeah. So, so I mean, I, I guess if you, if you look at my work, um, there's a cinematic element to it um, and how I shoot things. And I, I, I often crop it to a 69 uh, ratio because for the most part, that's kind of what my life was about. It was looking at a TV screen and seeing the world in that little, mm. little square box or that, that 69 frame or when you go to the movies. So what we would do is friends, um, a group of friends, we would walk from my house to the cinema, which is like about one and a half kilometers away from the house. Every Saturday, we'd walk, we'd watch a double feature, um, and that's our Saturdays. It doesn't matter what's playing at the cinema. It's just kind of it was a routine for us to go there and watch movies all the time and uh, we, we really fell in love even though it was largely b-rate american movies it was mm. like no it was uh, some of those beautifully shot and that just kind of stuck with me and some of my friends as well you did a lot of um, street photography in uh, some of the places in cape town and as, as well as uh, in and around the colored community how did this happen yes was it something that you naturally picked up 
Well, uh, the thing is, I, I needed to. I mean, so I guess I, I need to talk about kind of the access that I have. When I started out, um, I was I, w- I, had, I had a camera. I bought a camera on my first. I think I, I was traveling to Thailand at the time, and in Thailand I bought a camera, and so I came back home and I need and I wanted to use the camera, um, but I obviously didn't have access to at that time. I didn't have access to studios or anything like that, so I didn't know what how to go about any of those processes. What I did know was um, the my my sort of the life in my in my old neighborhood was very vibrant to me and i thought well let's go and try that first and so what i would do is i'd go to my old neighborhood where my mom lives um, and just shoot around there and find interesting things to look at and then it kind of spread out i would go into the city um, and start shooting in the city and then social media came about i started posting the work and then people started were, were interested in that and then i was like well cool if you're interested in this can i kind of come to your community and shoot there and find some interesting stories, mm-hmm. and that's kind of how that thing led to to my street work. Um, where and uh, yeah, and I guess I, I've I've always had a thing where I wanted to tell stories, which was important to me. Looking at your Instagram handle, there's a lot of um, different genres being predict- predicted. <laughs> I mean, you've got um, sort of the fitness world. You've got some very nice pole dancing images. <laughs> um, you've got a lot of dancing. Is dancing quite an important thing for you? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Dancing is a very, very important thing to me. Um, so um, I'm, I'm a former dancer myself. Um, I danced for, I don't know, about 15, 20 years. Um, so how that started was I was a, a big dancer on the street as a kid. Um, and then, you know, those, that progressed for a couple of years. I then met my girlfriend, now wife, at the, my then girlfriend, now wife, um, she then introduced me to um, contemporary dance, and she said, "Well, come and do a class with us." And I went in and I did the, I did a contemporary class. It was as clumsy as they come, um, but I absolutely loved it. And so then I I joined um, that dance school. I, I danced there for many years, and I've had a love for dance. Um, and I think it also helps with my dance photography because I have an understanding of what mm-hmm. the dancer feels or what the movement should feel like for the dancer, and when it's at its peak. Um, and when it looks good. Yeah, yeah, that's, so, that, that is my, my next question. I mean, we've got a guy, Tim Willman, who's a skateboard photographer. Yes. Um, and he knows exactly when the trick is going to get hit, and he makes sure that he composes for that. So he actually sees it beforehand. Do you have a similar yes. experience? I do, I do. Cause, uh, so I, I discuss it with a dance and say, like, this is kind of what I want to feel. Um, and then, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll try it out. And then, as, and and I think more time, more often than not, I kind of eat it in the first um, two or three shots. Mm. It's like, mm. cool, we get it because I know, like like with Tim, like you said with Tim, I kind of can see already what the apex of that movement's going to be and and when it's going to be, um, which is which I'm lucky with, I guess. Or, or yeah. These images that you capture, is it during performances or is it like backstage or not backstage, but during practice, for example? When do you set these up? Um, so lots, I mean, it's, it's a variety of things. So there are some way I have, um, if, if, if it allows, um, I like to shoot a technical run, but then we can make sure that everybody has makeup on. So it's a full run. Um, and then we shoot if it allows, but a lot of the times, no, it doesn't allow. So we just shoot, I shoot during performances. Um, but that's the beauty and that's the beauty of the camera again. I think with, with the XT2, um, being as being a silent camera. Um, I can shoot the full performance, no stress. I mean, like I, I've actually sat in the audience and shot, mm. um, and the people next to me have been like, they actually weren't aware that I was shooting. 
even though the, the like the camera was up and I was like I was going for it. Um, but because I can't hear a single thing, it's like you know I could shoot the entire performance without any stress. One thing that I'm quite interested in is your work documenting shooting on certain film sets, which is, uh, yes. for example, The Forgiven with uh, Forrest Whitaker and Eric Bana. Um, Numai Scully you worked on, and now also um, the new movie coming out uh, pretty soon. Mm. I'm not sure if it's out yet. Number 37. Number yes, 37. Yes, it was released yesterday. Yeah. Ah, okay, cool. So, so how did you? How did this come about? How do you set this up? Um, and what's the things to look for when when doing these types of movie shoots? Okay, so I think um, for for me it was again, and I go back to kind of my love for for film, um, and I, I kind of wanted to get involved somehow. And with anything, you kind of just need to be knocking on as many doors as you can. Um, so I think I started out shooting. Um, Student films uh, back in the day, like friends of mine were in the film industry and they said, well, they were they were starting to be filmmakers and they were like, well, um, come and shoot. If you want to come and shoot, you can come and shoot. Um, and I, I took that opportunity. You know, you have to take the opportunities that come your way and make the most of them. Um, and so I shot on a variety of kind of short films and ads and music videos. Um, and then, you know, you, you, you do that work, you put it out there. Um, people hear about it, and then I got contacted for other films, like sort of, and the project hit bigger and bigger every every time. So it's it's great in that, like it's 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 kind of an an, an organic growth to the to the process. Um, so that's how I kind of got onto film sets um, from through basically through word of mouth, and um, yeah, I got to work on some amazing features. I think that's that's a very important factor. I mean, I I think that a lot of millennials, you know, they they've got no concept of hustle, and uh, <laughs> it looks like you've been hustling um, quite a lot, and and um, it's it's something to be appreciated. I think people tend to think these days things just fall on your lap, and you don't have to work hard to get there. Thank you. Um, so so if I can yeah. if I can talk about that that quickly, um, so the hustle for me um, is is a very is a very important thing. Um, and it, it goes back to my my corporate days. So I I was in a job where I was I was quite unhappy, um, and it just it was, the job wasn't meant for me. And I think when I quit my job, I like I wanted to I, I was going to make sure that I was never ever going to have to go back to doing anything like that. And the only way you can do that is by hustling. You mm. you can't just like shoot and say like, well, I'm going to shoot something and it's going to be cool and everyone's going to love it and then I'm going to be amazing and then people are going to want to use me for everything. Um, it's a case of you, you have to shoot every kind of scenario you can think of, work as hard as you possibly can, um, put the work out there and you know, be diligent in how you do it, create a process for yourself um, and then, you know, and then things will happen. But it's, it is lots and lots and lots of hard work. Yeah. How important is it building up contacts? Oh, it's uh, well. I mean, as a, it's it's extremely important. I think. I mean, so so you know, if if you build a good rapport with your client, um, that client has other clients, who has friends, who has clients, who has friends, who has clients. So building up contacts for and, and building up contacts for certain things like I have, um, so I have a group of people I can always call up for if I need makeup artists, if I need stylists, or if I need equipment or whatever I need. So building up that kind of network of people to assist you um, and then you can assist them so that we can, it's, and it's, it's, it's a micro and a macro thing in that you, you build yourself up, but also you build up the entire industry by, by 
by building up, by contacts, by creating networks of people so that everybody can kind of like sort of get something out of the deal and the, the entire industry can grow from that. Looking at your Instagram feed over at Appster um, with your handle, it seems like you have done a lot of different types of photography. Where did you study? Did you, are you self-taught? Um, how did things kick off for you? Um, uh, yeah, so I, I didn't study. I'm self-taught. Um, and so the story, so how it goes is that um, in 2008, my son was born. Um, and so so if I go, go back again to the, we first got the camera on the race course, I shot there. Um, I quit my job at, I think, a couple, I think a year or so later. Um, uh, and then I never picked up a camera again um, until 2008 um, when I... We traveled to Thailand, I bought a camera, and I thought, well, here's an opportunity because my son, because I actually don't have many photographs of myself as a child, and mm. I thought, well, I'm not going to allow that to happen to him. I want him to remember his childhood. I want him to kind of like know how it was and be able to have lots of fond memories of what images that he'll see. And so I started shooting him first, and I knew what I wanted to do, um, but I didn't know how to do it. And I literally just like messed around with the settings on the camera. Every single setting I was like, cool, this does this. Okay. And so then over time, you'd kind of figure out, you know, what is what. And then you'd also go and read up on what f-stops are, what aperture, you know, what apertures, you know, what the aperture means to you, what it, you know, you, you, you kind of figure out what the triangle means to you as a photographer. And that's kind of over time. So I, I taught myself um, what, the, what the technical things on the camera is. Um, and then I kind of, just shot, 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 shot a lot. I mean, like when I say I shot a lot, um, it's, it's, yeah, it's, a, it's an understatement because I was obsessive over the craft and how to kind of get better at what I wanted. You, you can see it through your, your lighting setups. I mean, I've not seen a, a handle with such diverse types of light. Yeah. Um, you a true strobist, my man, and we don't give a lot of compliments in this, wow. in, the, in this <laughs> podcast, but your understanding of light, how did that come about? Um, so, I well, I, I, I'm gonna, I think I'm going to say, I'm going to say that I think it's, a, it's, it's quite a natural thing to me mm -hmm. um, in that um, this is how, so you are seeing how I see the world. Okay. Uh, I, I see the world in those light and those shadow and I, I see the the differential between the two and they and it like it's weird how it speaks to me um, I, I always thought like you know I always had this thing where I thought when we all wake up we all see the world exactly the same way because it's the same world we all live here we all wake up we see the same light um, but I didn't realize that I actually do see things a little bit differently to most mm. people and so what you see, what you see, what you see in my Instagram is exactly how I see the light. So if, if that makes sense. Totally. But um, what sort of uh, mechanism did you use? Because I mean, speed lights and off-camera flash is quite difficult to master. Is there? Is, is it just trial and error? Is it just practicing a lot? What what sort of gave you the the education you require to be able to take these incredible images? So, so I first moved from from natural lighting. Like I, I only shot with natural light, whatever was available. Mm. Um, and looking at the natural light, you know, like you, you kind of understand what the natural light source is, where it's coming from. And so I thought to myself, well, if that natural light is coming from there, if I use a light to do the same thing, and it was literally just trial and error, figuring out if I put the light there, what it does, tutorials, going online, seeing other people do what they're doing, and then testing it out, making to see if it works, 
Um, and, and so it's literally a case of like a little bit of my understanding, a little bit of and a lot of, of practice and, and trial and error. You spoke at the design in Darba a couple of years ago, and this is what you said. The reality of the colored people is gangsterism, violence, and poverty. There's no way to erase this from the stories we tell. When we've told all of these stories, we can start telling the story of a new nation and new people. Are these stories being told? So I, I, I definitely think the stories are being told. I mean, if you look at, I think if you look at the, the one form I didn't know, my colleague, um, you know, it was kind of a story of a man, gangsterism, violence, all of that things. And then now if you look at the, the film Norma 37, it's a, it's a purest crime thriller, not speaking about gangsterism. There's no, there's no gangsters in the movie. There's nothing like that. It's about kind of life on the, on the Cape Flats itself. So, so gradually we are moving away from kind of just being telling the, the stories of, of gang violence and that. Um, but, I, but I do think that it'll, it'll, it'll come in and out, in and out, and until eventually, like I said, we will tell all those stories, and then we can kind of move on to stories that are a lot more current, a lot more kind of like now. Um, I, I am working on a production later this year that's going to be a, an action film, a big kind of action film set in Cape Town, which I think will be amazing. Are you in touch with uh, documentary photographers uh, doing work on the Cape Flats and the colored community? Can you recommend a couple yes. of people? Um, so, so I'm I'm part of a collective called um, the Real City of Cape Town, um, and on there is a f quite a few documentary photographers kind of shooting, either for news agencies or kind of themselves or for international agencies as well. Um, and so they are documenting kind of everyday life in Cape Town, um, and I think that's a, a great platform to 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 check out. Where can we get you on social media as well as the internet, Lindsay? Okay, cool. So my my so firstly my Instagram handle, which is Appster, so is A P P S T E R, um, and my Twitter is also Appster O One. Um, I have a Facebook page called M I P by Lindsay Apollos, which stands for My Imperfect Perception by mm -hmm. Lindsay Apollos, and um, I 